through the city like Brennan Shaw. I'm on a mission to get it all. Ride through the city like Brennan Shaw. If you ain't thick, please don't get involved. And now, Brandon Thick Boy Shaw. What's up, everybody? It is Monday morning. Fresh off the B-Day weekend. Thanks for all the lovely B-Day wishes. Your boy's getting older. It is what it is, man. Still the youngest of my crew, though. Still the young buck. Still wet behind the ears when it comes to my friends. I'm still the youngest, so that's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, but thank you for all the uh, B-Day wishes. Let's get to work, baby. Because, uh, man, we had one hell of a freaking UFC card this past Saturday, um, I told you guys, I've said this uh, right when the UFC announced it, you know, London come off this whole COVID lockdown, just like all of us, but London especially was pretty locked down. When they announced that they were uh, going to do this card, I thought it was going to be a pay-per-view. Thank God it wasn't, so everybody could watch it, but just the uh, the card from top to bottom, man, uh, to me, as literally from the first fight on the prelims to the last fight on the main card with Tom Aspinall, it was the most stacked card from top to bottom. Maybe not the biggest names in North America, but as far as outside North America, dude, you it's for European fighting, especially England, London, the UK in general, you had the who's who on this. You know, you're missing Darren Till on there, but outside that, you had all the big boys on this card. And I was uh I was super excited for it, man. And what's interesting too is I didn't think this card got enough notoriety. I didn't see enough people talking about it. There and I'm sure in London it was completely different, but out here a lot of times I'll gauge a card kind of hype based off just casual people whether i'm at a coffee shop or my friends or dude i'm talking nothing nothing i was surprised by it uh you know sometimes you engage a card's interest off the ufc when they post the you know the hype videos or the countdowns or the you know the the breakdowns of the fight or even on uh bt sport with uh bisbing and the the boys on there who i think do the best job Uh, out there as far as covering fights especially when it comes to uh the uk but even their numbers weren't like gangbusters i I just couldn't understand it um and you know it was a big fight card because we did a calabasas fight campaign for it we really only do pay-per-views man that's what we do but i was such uh kind of just so excited for this card man for a number of reasons so so excited and if you missed out on it, I would go back and watch it. Not only would I watch the card from top to bottom, I'd watch the Cowboys Fight Companion as well. It was a grand old time with Jeff Dye and Chris D'Elia, who aren't, you know, fight experts, but they really got into it, man. And I don't know how you couldn't with, uh, you know, there's a reason Michael Bisping was undefeated in uh, on his home soil, man. I, I really think... It's one of the rare places. I don't think there's anybody, there's anywhere else in the world that just feeds off the energy and the fan base and the the whole history of the fight culture uh, like they do in England, man. I just don't. And you can see the fighters when they walk out, they just they just kind of soak up all that craziness and they take it into the octagon. And you know, Dana gave every single person who got a finish a bonus. Every single person. Now, I did they give my boy Jack Shore a bonus? 
they didn't because they didn't get a finish, which mm-hmm. is kind of robbery. He, <laughs> it was a fantastic fight. Jack Shore uh, will definitely be ranked in the top 15 now. Now that it, he wasn't before, it's insane. But shout out to Jack Shore. Mm-hmm. Uh, completely, I thought, stole the show on the prelims. It just shows you how goddamn well-rounded Jack Shore is. He's so freaking talented. Hopefully, from now on, he's at least at least the main event on the prelims, but should definitely be on the main card. You got a real one at Bantamweight and Jack Shore. Just the just a great dude, and skills are unreal, dude. Unreal. Uh, then we get to the main card again. This O2 Arena, you know, they blew the roof off this thing. They blew it off. Uh, ja Herbert, you know, obviously didn't go his way. He got knocked out pretty bad. Um, but you, I, I, you know, that knockout was bad. But really, for me, the card really started with Meatball Molly McCain. You know, she uh, is a crowd favorite out there. Uh, training partner with Patty Pimblet. And so uh, she, I don't know what they have in the water in their hometown with Patty and Molly, but Jesus Christ, we need to bottle that energy up, that positivity, that energy, that, you know, gift of the gab, just the, the happiness. If, if, if Fiji could just quit making water from the Fiji mountains and bottle the water up where Patty and Molly are from, we would have a real business there because those two, man, uh, I thought stole the show. Uh, you know, it, and listen, I always like to give an MVP of the card. I don't know how you do it. On, and to be fair, that's why Dana gave everybody who got to finish a freaking bonus. It was just from start to finish, man. Gangbusters. Gangbusters. I hope more people see what's going on here, man. But this was a, if you didn't know, now you know. It's a coming out party uh, for England and the UK, man. They got some real talent out there. And, uh, you know, Molly Meatball, dude, a spinning back elbow? Mm-hmm. Nutsos. Nutsos. Great knockout. Definitely top five not knockout candidates of the year. Nutsos. You never see that. Women's flyweight? Nuts. Um, her energy was contagious, man. So you go from that, the crowd's going nuts. She jumps in the crowd, very Jose Aldo style. She grabs Dana. You know, she's doing her thing. You can't help but fall in love with Meatball. And also Meatball, great name. We have a Meatball <laughs> no. hair. I think we should change his name after seeing Molly. Molly's the real Meatball. Mm-hmm. And they, you told me, Chin, on the campaign, they call her Meatball because she used to sell Meatballs. Is I didn't right? say that. Someone else said that. Someone else yeah. said that? Yeah. She used to work at Subway. And she Something like that. Like That's what it was. She, she used to work at, she used to make <laughs> footlongs. And Something then like she, that. You know, to she be fair, like though, meatballs. when you when I was uh, back in my fat days, I would go to Subway and the only thing you get is that Meatball. That there. Meatball's so good there. Yeah, <laughs> you might get today. Here's it now. Here's the thing, Casey. I like where your head's at. I like that. I like that. Is it real meat? Probably not. Probably right? not. But still, probably awesome. not. Awesome. Still good. But whatever it is, because mm-hmm. they they got in trouble for their tuna. Remember, we found out. Like 0% tuna. You know, yeah, and then they're like, then yeah, then Subway's trying to do damage control. They're like, oh, that's a false narrative. It's real tuna, and then like a real lab guy. I was like, no, it's not tuna. This is actually made out of um, plastic. So it's flavored plastic, everybody. I, I mean, you go to Subway and get the tuna freaking melt or whatever. You just, you're just playing with fire, man. You know, there's a better place to get tuna. It ain't Subway. Yeah, Subway's had their, you know, I hate to go on around about Subway here, but they've, uh, you know, they, 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 their marketing, right, started with Jared from Subway. 
Um, Theo did go on a date with his sister. That is facts. He went on a date with uh, Jared from Subway's sister. It didn't work out, surprisingly. Um, but then, you know, Jared was the big guy, got world famous because he just ate Subway sandwiches, supposedly. I guess we'll buy that. And then he lost a jagillion pounds. I think, I don't know, he was like 400 pounds or 300 pounds and then got down. You know, and then he was the face of Subway, and every, he was basically the Oprah of Subway. And then, you know, he did some bad. He shit. did some bad stuff with kids, and then he is gone. Yep. he is gone, and Subway went yowzers, yowzers. So let's create a catchy phrase here: five five dollar, five dollar <sighs> foot longs. Remember that? That was lit. And then the, then we found out, you know, they had another marketing blunder that their tuna was plastic. So they're trying their best, man. I think Molly should be sponsored by Subway. You're looking for a fresh face. That's their thing. Fresh, fresh bread, fresh faces. Molly's a Subway alumni. You know, she has all the energy. That'd be dope. Come up with the Molly, you know, six six inch sub. Meatball sub, yeah. The Molly, the Molly, you know, how they don't do it in their hometown is insane. How Subway's not knocking down her door is insane. When's the last time Subway had good news? You know? That Jared stuff's just hanging over their head, oh, yeah. man. And Molly completely changed that. Just spitballing ideas, Subway. I don't know what's going on with your business plan these days. I also don't know anybody who eats Subway. Except for Casey and get to meet <laughs> Paul today. And I hope you get sick from it. Uh, our boy Gunnar Nelson, who we always root for, got a win. He needed that. That was the only kind of... You know, it wasn't a bad fight. It was the only, like, not knock your dick in the ground fight. The rest of them will, will blow your hair back. Um, so it was the, it, it was Molly, the crowd went freaking nutsos. When Herbert lost, the crowd was sad, right? Because he's, he's English. So he got knocked out pretty bad, really bad. So they're pretty quiet. Um, and then Molly comes out and spinning elbow. The crowd goes nuts. She's a fan favorite. Gunnar Nelson comes out with Sato. It's a decision. Not a terrible fight. 30-26 across the board. Gunnar Nelson dominated. Had his back literally for about 40 years. And then, uh, you know, really the face of the card, the the fresh face. I keep this the third time I said fresh face. I've never said that on the show before. But really the fresh face, the the new wave of England, England fighting, the the next in line to kind of be maybe their Conor McGregor, Patty Pimblett was up. And, you know, last week, if you listen to the show, I went, you know, is the moment too big for him? And, you know, he's the one, you know, kind of X factor. Then also same with Tom Aspinall is, you know, he's a COVID baby. He's been in mass. He's fought in front of seven people, even though he's starching dudes, he's never felt that kind of real UFC jitters uh debut you know it is you know no matter what uh it can be stressful fighting the ufc especially at the level of competition he's fighting but still not the real deal holy field where it's in front of a crowd sure as hell not in front of a home crowd o2 arena the blue the the roof blew off the goddamn place patty's an interesting one i should put some more thought into it as i was talking last week you know What's interesting about Patty is before he was in the UFC, he was a star, a massive, massive star. And the UFC has been trying to sign him for quite some time. And God bless this kid to have the wits to go, I'm not ready yet. I'm going to wait. But Patty could have sold this thing out himself. That's what's so crazy. 
that being said, I, I still was worried about, you know, fighting, you know, at the O2 Arena, even though he's fought in big venues before and could sell this thing out himself. It's still not a UFC. And until you're in the UFC, it's just a different animal, whether, you know, he could sell out, you know, the same arenas that Anthony Joshua is selling out, you know, any of that stuff. That's all fine and dandy, but it's still not the UFC. It's just it's just a different animal. And that was the one thing I was not worried, just had questions about. I was a little curious. So when Patty walks out, you realize who the ultimate kind of alpha male is as far as star power goes on this card. And that arena was nutsos. Nutsos. And this kid, you know, it shows you know, same when Connor was coming up, he just has that X factor where the moment can't get big enough for him. He thinks, you know, this is exactly what he should be doing. He's in the exact situation, uh, walking down that the exact path that he planned for himself. And boy, you know, is he fighting a top 10 guy? No. Should he be? No, absolutely not. But, you know, at lightweight, which is stacked at 55, you know, Vargas is no punk. It, you know, it's it's not an easy road to get to the UFC. The guy's there. hits like a Mack truck. And, you know, for, for Patty, uh, along with his first fight, you know, he gets hit. He does get hit. Uh, it, it makes it more exciting. But um, the only, the, literally the only kind of, if you're going to check, you know, a negative on it is, you know, in his two fights in the UFC, he's been hit. Mm-hmm. He, ha- he has taken some hits, and that scares you a little bit. Um, you know, if you're going to compare compare him to Conor McGregor, I'll say stand-up's not as good, not as crisp as Conor McGregor's. Conor really wasn't getting hit, you know, but Pat, how do you get hit? I think it's his style. I think, you know, it's it's inexperienced. I think he's excited, and um it could be a problem, but you know his team. I'm sure is realizing the same thing. Everybody listening to this show as well and saw the fight go. He gets hit, man, a little bit. You know, if if they keep, you know, and it, it it's like a video game. The next level gets harder, harder, harder. You're getting a certain point where you can't get hit like that. You know, but the, still early, still dominating. Got got the guy down. I think anybody that uh, is a Patty fan knew that this fight he was going to have a significant av- advantage on the ground, and it showed. Um, you know, as good as his striking is, and obviously landed that flying knee in his first fight and got the job down, got got the job done. But um, he, he's pretty special on the ground. It goes to the ground. You know, guys are getting mopped up. So for him to get a finish, you know, fighting O two Arena, pretty big deal, man. And I, I think people saw his star power, and you know, when he gets done, he gets on the mic. He he rips a pretty good promo, and he just again just has that. Justin Bieber, you know, that, that kind of thing that we want to watch, man. And, uh, there's a lot, I, 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 it doesn't seem like it gets to him again. He checks all the boxes when it comes to marketing and skill set and all that stuff. So the UFC is going to attach that British rocket on his back that they did with, uh, Michael Bisbing and see what happens. And, you know, if he was a stock, I would definitely invest. I actually have my reservations as far as, you know, him getting hit a little bit. That's a little alarming, but it's also very exciting. Um, but he's a special, special kid, man. There's a reason Barstool signed him to a seven-figure deal, you know? So I, I'm curious if Barstool did a bunch of content with him. I'm sure. If you put I money into him. but yeah. Really? Yeah, lead him to the fight. I didn't see anything, but. Man, I didn't I would, yeah, man. I'd be all over. Yeah. Uh, did, they didn't do shirts or anything? Nothing? Merch? Not that I saw. Oof. You do some <laughs> Maybe. Lit ass shirts for Patty. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I think, uh, 
you know, he's, he's passing the test. It's going to be interesting to see what they do for him next. It, you know, it's just where he's at, you know, then the UFC's gotten a lot better about this is, you know, with Sugar Sean O'Malley. And I, I think Dana said this in the post-fight press conference. He goes, you know, it's similar with the Sugar Sean O'Malley kind of path there where you don't want to just rush the guy to the front of the line, especially at 55, man, especially at 55. Oh, there, there's a there's a shirt, Patty the Batty yeah. shirt, Dave Portnoy, and that's a, and that's a bar stool. Man, I might have to order that. They have it on their site, Jen. Yeah, because I'm, I'm, I mean, bar stool. They're smart. They're definitely smarter than me. They uh, they know what's going on as far as that stuff. You signed a guy's seven figure deal. Patty's Irish Pub. Uh, oh, it's got to be right. They have more than that, though, right? If you type, type in a uh, pimblet. Oh, they still have Caller Daddy merch on there. Good for them. If you just yeah. type in Patty, does anything coming up? Just that stuff. So I typed in his name and nothing. Uh, type in just Patty and see what happens. Not his last name. That's what happened. It was just this stuff. Um, that's it, huh? Yeah. Man. That shirt's all right. I was really hoping for something better. I can lie to you, man. Maybe it's in the plans. Oh, I'm sure. <clears throat> uh, but what's this? This is just... This Barstool posting about let me, patties. Let me see Barstool go nut, re- react to it. Because you got to figure Barstool, again, it's investment for them. This guy loses. It's tough, man, especially this early on. This is them... Big Cat and uh, Portnoy. Like the guy coaching on the right. Dave's just, just like, he's probably like, dear God, please win. We got a bunch of money into this kid. That's great. I love it. I love it. They're so crunking. Yeah, they act like he wasn't a minus six seventy five favorite though, you know. But when you got investment in there, fastest FaceTime of all time. Let me see that. Yeah, because Barstool and UFC are in cahoots together, so I'm sure the UFC let them know, you know, like just a picture. This is the guy you want to ride with, you know. Mm-hmm. I just did a picture. Just a of picture. It. Yeah, that's hilarious. That's great. <clears throat> yeah, Patty passed the test, blew the roof off of O2 Arena, and then uh, you know. It's tough to give anybody MVP, but you know because there's a few, and that's the reason why Dana gave everybody the bonus. So you know Molly Meatball, you had uh, Patty Pimblet, obviously deserves it, and then the co-main event, they had a tough gig, man, because you're falling Patty, you're falling Patty. All the energy went into the Patty's performance. You know he jumps on the cage, Meatball jumped on the cage as well. You know she was all over the place, so the arena's going nuts, and then you got to reset. And then Arnold Allen and Dan Hooker walks out, 
and you know it's a great fight but there's just kind of you know you can only rev it at uh so many rpms for so long before you got to reset and they reset so arnold allen dan hooker you know if they would have i think if this would have been anywhere else i don't think arnold allen fights this way you know but coming off the the patty pimblet fight you know he he had to put on a show and he definitely put on a show you know, you're fighting Dan Hooker, and I, you know, I was reading about Dan Hooker. He was saying how terrible the weight cut was. Saying it was awful. Said if I would have fought at 55 drunk, I would have had a better performance. He said the weight cut was absolutely horrendous. It's tough because Dan Hooker is one of my favorites. He's one of my favorite people. Great dad. You know, he's had his issues coming from New Zealand, Australia, trying to get all these fights. He's been quarantined and away from his family, and he's kind of the. You know the uh, the down under Donald Cerrone, where he'll take any fight, any time, and even though he's flying sixteen hours to the states, he'll show up and fight you. So, you know he's a he's a fighter's fighter, man, and I, I love the guy, and he has skills. It's just you know the the forty five weight cut. They thought he was going to have a, a big advantage there, you know. But Arnold Allen with his genetics and his family, you know, being strong men, shit like that. You're dealing with a different animal. He's also won nine in a row now, dude, which is insane. So I get, you know, Dan Hooker, obviously, was, I think he's number six at lightweight, coming down to 45. I get all that. And also, when, when you look at Hooker, he's not exactly, exactly known to blow your hair back as far as, like, put on crazy performances. Again, this British crowd, man, brings out the best in everybody and forces you to kind of get out of your comfort zone and you, you got to live up to the hype and you're falling a Patty Pimblet. So what's Arnold Allen do? Dude, these boys just started swinging, man. It was for sure fight of the night. They would have got a bonus no matter what Dana decided to do, but it was definitely fight of the night. And man, I'm, you know, my heart sinks for Dan Hooker, but you know, it's just, it was a tough night in the office fighting in O2 Arena against Arnold Allen, who's won at this point eight in a row. And also, I don't think Dan Hooker expected him to come out like this. It's not really in Arnold Allen's kind of DNA to fight like this. It's not. But um, God dang, that fight was nutsos. Nutsos. By far one of the best rounds of the year. By far one of the best rounds of the year. So Molly blows the roof off. Gunner, you know, decision, all good, dominates. So you got Molly, the meatball, McCann, blowing the roof off. Subway's finest. Gunner does his <laughs> thing. Then you have Patty Pimblett does exactly what we all thought he was going to do. The The main draw of the card blows the fucking roof off. And then you're like, all right, there's going to be a letdown here. Then Arnold Allen go, goes, hold my Guinness, comes out, does the freaking thing, rocks the freaking arena. And then you're still not even at the main event yet. And you got Tom Aspinall versus Volkov. And Volkov is damn near impossible to finish. I think out of, he has like 40 freaking fights. He's only been finished, I think, three times in his career. He's fought the who's who. Uh, I think by the night of the fight leading up to it, he was a slight underdog, which was kind of crazy to me. You know, you're talking about a guy who went to decision with Cyril Gaon, beat freaking Alistair Overeem, beat Walt Harris, um, you know, beat Fabrizio Verdum, beat Roy Nelson, was a world champion, you know, uh, was a, a world champion in not only M1, but also Bellator. So you're talking about a real, you know, a real pedigree. You're talking about a real monster, man. And 
to be honest, I, I, you know, I have all the faith in Tom Aspinall, but you just don't know. And when Tom goes from fighting guys who are unranked and, you know, only one guy of the second round, but, you know, he beat uh, Andre Olovsky. That's very tough to do. But, you know, Andre Olovsky's long in the tooth. So for Tom Aspinall to go from kind of not really fighting world beaters to jump into number six, you get a little worried, you know? You get a little worried, and uh, man, if you're a Tom Aspinall fan, or again, you're investing stocks, you would put all of your money on Tom Aspinall become world champ after seeing this. He completely dominated Volkov, more so than anybody I've ever seen. Has Has Volkov been knocked out? Sure. Dirk Lewis knocked him out, you know, lost to Curtis Blades. Sure, sure, sure. Nobody dominated him in every aspect of mixed martial arts like tom aspinall this this you know for tom aspinall and he says you know i've dreamt of this since i was a kid i belong here sure sure i get all that but you haven't beat anybody in the top 15 and now you get the number six guy in the world who's impossible to finish and you completely mollywop him hand speed come light years different lighten him up on the feet taking him down at will and then you take him down twice, you get him down, you choke him out with a straight arm bar. He, lo- he looks like a, uh, uh, a Frank Mare, you know, part two. He, he looks like a, uh, a hybrid Frank Mare, man. The guy looked fucking phenomenal. And after watching that fight, what he did to Volkov, think about Volkov, man. Decision with Cyril Gaon, you know, went to decision with Cyril Gaon. So, you know, I think Tom Aspinall is going to be ranked top four at this point. And he got on the mic and did exactly uh, what he should have done. He gets on the mic and kind of calls his shot, which I, I don't think is really Tom Aspinall's thing. I do think it helps that Bisbing's in there because, you know, Bisbing would call guys out. And Bisbing's also a guy who, you know, if it's John Attic or Rogan, they, they don't really go, you know, what's next? Who do you want? Not really. Bisbing, you're like, come on, man. Well, who's next? What's next for you? And the, it, it, it's not like he's pressuring him, but it's also like you got to answer the question. You, you feel some type of way, which I think he's the perfect guy for the job, especially at the O2 Arena with his legacy there. He did a great job. So with Tom Aspinall, it's like, what's next? And Tom had a plan. Tom had a plan. He called out Ty to Avasa. Mm-hmm. In my head, I'm like, ooh, that's a fun one. I think Ty's number three now. And you look at the division, you, you know, you got Stipe, John Jones, Francis had surgery. So Francis out nine months. So Stipe and John Jones, that's the fight that I think happens this summer. Who's next? Tai Tuovasa. I mean, you could have been like, well, let's see if Chris Blades gets past, you know, homeboy on uh, Saturday. Dacus. And, uh, what'd you say? Dacus. Dacus, yeah. Let's see if he gets past Philly's finest Dacus on Saturday. If he does, I'd be interested in Curtis Blades. But that, you know, don't get me wrong. I'd love to see Tom versus uh, Curtis Blades because I, I do think Tom provides a number of issues for Curtis Blades. But as far as just pure entertainment and to get Tom to a title shot, it, it's a great move to call out Ty to Avasa and kind of jump that front of the line. It's a, it's a great move just mm-hmm. to jump up there. You get Ty to Avasa. I love, I absolutely love Ty to Avasa. He's one of my favorite people I've had on the show. I've done a shoey with him. We ordered his shoe. Hey, Ty to Avasa, the, 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 the shipping, Bubba. Yeah, we ordered <laughs> it. How long? long Three time. weeks ago? It's a long time. Three yeah. weeks ago, Ty. What are we doing here, dude? Little customer service, man. <laughs> it's been three weeks, Bubba. And it's supposed to come here, yeah? Yeah, to the studio. Well, we're trying to p- p- replace it with the Yeezy shoe, dog. 
So um, I love Ty. When I look at that fight, you know, I know Ty beat Derek Lewis, and it's a great win for him. That was Ty's kind of jump into the upper echelon. But after seeing what Tom Aspinall did to Volkov, which nobody's been able to do, nobody, completely dominate him, you know, I would assume Ty would be a, a, a underdog, a, 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 you know, probably a, a plus 200, plus 225 underdog against Tom Aspinall. And when you look at Tom and his footwork and his hand speed and his wrestling and his ground game, you guys, Cyril Gaon, you know, I, I like his chance against Cyril Gaon even, man. I know it's insane to say, you know, but I'd love to see John Verstipe and then Tom's right there. And boy, could England use a heavyweight champ. They've never had one. They've never had one in the UFC. He'd be the guy. Let's take a little break, guys, from chatting on the shop show. We have a very special guest in John Anik coming right up. Before we chat with my brother from a more bald mother, John Anik, I got something to talk to you guys about. This episode of the shop show is sponsored by Better Help. That's Better Help, H E L P. Because listen, Maybe there's something interfering with your happiness. It's preventing you from achieving your goals that you have for yourself, and you just can't get out of your own way. You don't know what's going on, man. You're just not happy. Well, that's where BetterHelp can help your booty out. They will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist because you need professional help, man. You can only get so much advice from your friends and family. They're not professionals. If you're going to get your car fixed, you want your buddy fixing who has no idea about cars? No, you want to go to a professional, man. This is the same thing for your happiness. Talk with a professional. They know exactly what you need to do. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online, all right? The, this service is available worldwide, all right? BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change therapists. If you're not feeling the one that they've given you, it's super easy to change your therapist. It's much more affordable than traditional offline therapy. Financial aid is also available. BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Try it out, man. Visit BetterHelp.com slash shop. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, slash shop, S-C-H-A-U-B. Join the over 2 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp, they're recruiting an additional therapist in all 50 states. Tony, it's good stuff. It's good stuff. Work on your happiness. Work on your goals. Let BetterHelp help you out. And they have a special offer for the Shop Show listeners and viewers. You get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash shop. Last commercial, I promise. Then we're going to jump into the juicy combo with John Anik. Because listen, the world is back and booming, man. The cities are back. Your boy's on door. There's no more half capacity. We're doing it, man. You got back-to-back meetings. You're back to the hustle, the rat race. You got errands to run. You got chores to take care of. You got kids. You're dropping off at school. You're trying to get everything done. All right? You need a little help sometimes with DoorDash. You can get dinner, household essentials, everything on your grocery list, all delivered right to your door. Take the guesswork out, man. Don't try to pack all that in and do it yourself. DoorDash got you covered. Get what you want right now, right to your door with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash. Get drinks, snackies, other household items in under a freaking hour. You're craving late night ice cream. All right. You forget that one key ingredient that was going to make this special dinner for your family. We got you, man. 
Maybe you just need to stock on up. We got you with DoorDash. Get everything in one app. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, Cheesecake Factory. Ordering is easy, and your items will be left outside your door if you choose that, all right? For a limited time, the viewers and listeners of the shop show can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on your first order of 15 bucks or more. When you download the DoorDash app, enter the code SHOBSHOW. That's 25% off up to $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app in the app store, enter the code SHOBSHOW, S-C-H-A-U-B-S-H-O-W, SHOBSHOW. Don't forget that's code SHOBSHOW for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. Um, so now what we're going to do, I'm going to go ahead and get off the nuts of every English fighter in the UFC uh, because we're calling uh, my brother from another mother. He's one third of the greatest combat sports analyst team oh, in yeah. the world. There's Joe Rogan, there's Daniel Cormier, and then there's the man, the glue, there's John Anik. And we have UFC finest, one of the greatest commentators in the history of sports, John Anik, joining us right now. Now, let's get right into it, man. I, I assume because you're a, a fight head like me, you watch the UFC uh, London fight night. Yes, absolutely. It's nice to have a little matinee here on the East Coast of the U.S., man. Those late night UFC fight nights with the 10 p.m. Eastern main card, forget about it. Tough. Man, I, I you know, going into the fight, I couldn't understand, and maybe you have a different perspective on it, but to me, especially for a free card, I mean, best card of the year from top to bottom as far as matchup wise, excitement, you know, a few you could have called a few fight of the nights on there. I called Arnold Allen and uh, Dan Hooker the fight of the night, you know, weeks prior. I just felt like this card wasn't getting the traction it should get, especially for being a free card. And you watch the card literally, you know, I'm I'm a I'm a psychopath. I watch from the prelims to the main event. Right. And you just I mean, gangbusters, man. That O2 arena in London, first first fight card, you know, since the pandemic, and man, did it live up to the hype. Yeah, I mean, I think you set it up beautifully, and I think it was a combination of all of those factors, right? The first time being in London for three years, you had all sorts of finishes, and I think oftentimes when people talk about card of the year, um, they're not looking for decisions, right? So obviously, you had nine finishes of the 12 total fights, and Certainly, you could say it was regional star power or European star power in some respect, but sure. a lot of this is just flat out UFC star power. I mean, when you forecast the future for guys like Arnold Allen and Patty Pimblett and certainly Tom Aspinall, whom we'll get to, um, these are UFC stars, whether they're competing in London or not, you know, um, and now getting ready to go to Columbus, Ohio, you know, as a proud American be, I'm just hoping that uh, that the Ohio folks can make some noise because that's a tough act to follow. The um, toughest act of all. God. Listen, I love Columbus, Ohio, but uh, I don't know if you're going to get the same reaction, my man. I hope you do, but uh, yeah. I don't think you're going to get the same reaction, uh, you know, from the crowd as a, you know, a Molly Meatball walkout or a Patty, Patty, uh, Patty walkout, you know, or even Tom Aspinall, Arnold Allen. It was just, you know, the perfect storm. Are you uh, are you as high on Patty as the the rest of the world? Do you see uh, a lot of kind of I don't know, you know, I guess it's fair to say a, a little bit of splash of Conor McGregor ish, you know? Yeah, I mean, I thought Michael Bisping put it well on the broadcast in so far as he kind of carries you beginning, middle to end. Right. He can handle all the pre-fight stuff. He's exciting as a fighter. He has a lot of finishing skills. 
He's a good grappler. He's got a lot of power on the feet. I mean, I think he's probably number 35 in the world at lightweight right now. Like, how yeah. do you think a matchup with Jalen Turner goes right now, for example? And Jalen Turner is 6'3", and not even in the top 20 right now necessarily, right? So there's a lot of work to be done for Patty Pimblett, but I think he's in the best promotion in the world to handle his matchmaking process, to handle his developmental process. You know, um, I'm certainly bullish on Patty in terms of his future as a UFC star and his ability to contend. Um, but I think my thesis statement in terms of his championship ceiling is that he's probably in the wrong division, competing in his natural weight class at 155 pounds. I just don't know how that's going to happen in the next three or four years. But power to him. I thought he handled fight week beautifully. And largely that fight he handled well. And uh, I'm excited for the next one, as I know the masses are as well. Yeah. And, you know, there's a thing, uh, especially in our sport, where, you know, guys want to see, you know, fans want to see these guys fight the top 10 right away. And, you know, it's such a disservice to the fighter. And what I think is the UFC's kind of learned from that. You know, they they catapulted Darren Till to the front. You know, it's been a tough go, you know. So um, I, I do think he'll bounce back. But, you know, when Connor was coming into it, it, it was just a it was a different lay of the land. You know, where Patty's at at 55, that's what we did a Calabas fight campaign. And I did it with two comics, Dalia and Jeff Dye. And they don't right. know the game. They're like, dude. We want to see him Dustin Poirier. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, you don't understand, man. This kid, it, it, it's a marathon. This is not a sprint. It, it will be such a disservice if they catapult him. Even if I had a guy in the top 25 right now would not be fair to him. He's just, his his star power and the, the entertainment value, yeah, top five. Yeah. But as far as his career, and the again, the, the kudos to the UFC and Dana White especially, what they're doing with Sugar Sean O'Malley is how you should be treating these guys. Boxing does it really well where they bring them up, you know, the right way. Let let this kid grow into whatever he's going to be. But what you don't is want to hinder the process and right. toss them to the wolves, man. Right. Yeah. You want to give him good stylistic challenges at the right progressing point in his career. You know, and it's not as though the UFC has been perfect in this situation. You know, I would go back to Jared Cannonier, who mm. fought Glover Teixeira very early on in his <laughs> UFC career. And I remember texting with my friend, UFC Hall of Famer Joe Silva, who had since left the company. And I believe he thought that was just way too soon to give Jared Cannonier Glover Teixeira. I could be mistaken, but I believe that was a, a Mick Maynard fight that was made. And how do you think Jared Cannonier would match up with Glover Teixeira today? Now, granted, they're in different divisions, but I think a lot more favorably. Cannonier just wasn't ready for that type of challenge. So I do think thus far they've done a good job with Patty. Candidly, as an MMA fan, you know, there's certainly going to be a big segment of our fan base that roots against Patty Pimblett. I would have liked to have seen more resistance from Kazula Vargas on the ground. So I'm hoping that whoever is next puts up a more formidable challenge candidly than Vargas did against Patty Pimblett this weekend. But, you know, I think a Jim Miller might, a Jim Miller fight, you know, maybe one or two down the I line. I love that. You know, there are, there are things they can do with Patty Pimblett, but he ain't a featherweight. Let's be clear. He's competing at 155 pounds mm -hmm. and most of the guys uh, are bigger or stronger, you know? And, and to get to even to the top 10 at 155, you're walking through fire, my man. It is hands down the deepest, most competitive division, all of mixed martial arts. 55 in the UFC, you're walking through fire, man. So he has a tough task in front of him. The, the, the only kind of caveat, you know, again, I'm not being negative on Patty. I do think he's the real deal. But if you watch his first debut fight in the UFC and you watch this fight, he does get hit. Where it makes it exciting, but there's going to be a certain level. And I was saying this before he came on to the guys here. He does get hit. 
you know, he, he, he has been hit in both fights. It's a little alarming. You know, if we want to compare him to Connor, clearly not the, you know, not the expert on the feet as Connor was and not as elusive and kind of creative as Connor. But if you remember, Connor coming up really didn't get hit, man. And, and Patty will get hit. It's entertaining. I like yeah. it. But if you're, you know, if Patty's this, you know, the stock that you're investing in, it's the one caveat. And I'm sure his team knows that too. Like, hey, man, it's, there's been come a time where we don't want to have this firefight where we're getting hit. Some of these more experienced guys are really going to take advantage of that. No, that's the truth. And as a former pro fighter, obviously you can speak to this. You know, some guys prioritize defense and they sort of try to turn that defense into offense. Look at a guy like Dominic Cruz. He treats your fists as if they're swords, right? That yes. they're going to literally cut his head off. And then he tries to sort of turn that movement and that defense into his own offense. You know, Kenny Florian has long said on our podcast that striking defense is kind of a lost art across the board in modern day mixed martial arts. I mean, Dan Hooker, I think, is a guy who's a good example of somebody who he can take a shot, but now he's going to have to go back to the drawing board having lost four or five, and he's going to have to raise his guard and prioritize defense a little bit. I think the good news for Patty is that, you know, when you can get touched and win. Uh, that's a good thing. And I do think he'll learn from that. He certainly hears the noise when it comes to that, but I do think he has to prioritize that um, because all it takes is one shot in this sport and the whole narrative, the whole pendulum, the whole career trajectory swings uh, with one left hand. But yeah, I mean, that's the only red flag I see right now. You know, he seems to have the right work ethic, the right discipline, the right people around him. A lot of good early signs for Patty Pimblett for sure. And that, uh, you know, again, before you come out, I was saying Arnold Allen had a tough task against Dan Hooker. Obviously, Dan Hooker, you know, taller, rangier guy, cutting down to 45. And Dan Hooker mentioned how terrible the weight cut was for him. He said, I've been better off being drunk, fine at 55. I would have felt yeah. better and probably would have done better, which is hilarious. And I love Dan Hooker, you know, but it's a tough task against Arnold Allen, who's won eight in a row. You know, he's coming in there to, to, to fight Dan Hooker. So... You know, there, there's kind of this, you know, Patty's the draw. Patty was by far the biggest star on the card. He's the one everyone's waiting for. He walks out. There's this huge reaction. He also gets the job done. The crowd's going nuts. Molly Meatball comes out. They're jumping on the cage. It's all this stuff. And then you got to reset, man. And all right. around has to walk out fighting this monster, right. Dan Hooker. Right. And I was like, all right, this is probably, probably a decision. It's going to be. And dude, I don't know if it's the, the, the British fans, the O2 Arena, whatever. Arnold Allen just goes, forget this noise. Uh -huh. I was like, you think that was a show? Peep this. Right. And just delivers five of the night, dude. One of the best rounds of the year. And it is crazy the juxtaposition right between him and the Liverpudlians, right? Like Arnold Allen walks out. He's like a certified public accountant. He's coming out to, we will rock you. You know, yeah. I mean, like he should have been born in the 1960s. <laughs> and then obviously puts on an absolute show. But he's kind of fallen under the radar. And I think it kind of dovetails with what we were talking about earlier in terms of his career progression. You know, the UFC has handled him really well. You know, there were times where he was in close fights and you wonder kind of what do we have here? And then he wasn't putting guys away. Now, all of a sudden you look up, he's won nine in a row. He's undefeated in the UFC and systematically he's passing these challenges at the right time. And it seems to me, even the Bostonian in me right now that he's ready for Calvin Cater in a main event. You know, that was the fight he called for. And, you know, I'm happy for Faraz Sahabi. And I know I'm kind of going off on a different direction here, oh, but, do. you know, he has had some missteps with other guys. You know, maybe guys haven't, you know, fully realized their potential under him. Even Rory McDonald or Nasrat Hackbarast or other guys. And now I really feel like he has a guy uh, in Arnold Allen who's sealing in the UFC as championship. You know, he's going to get a title eliminator next. And, uh, yeah, I really thought it was important for him to shine and to, 
as trite as it sounds like win with style points on a show that he was losing the spotlight um, yes. to several fighters on the prelims. So I thought he couldn't, have, couldn't have maximize the showcase anymore. Yeah. Than boy, did he answer the call and you know um, one of the downsides of doing the, the fight campaign shows is I don't hear the audio. I don't hear you guys talk because I usually just do pay-per-view events. So it's usually you Rogan and DC, which right. before he came on, I think's the greatest combat sports analyst team that's ever, you know, walked this earth. You guys are my favorite, but Thanks. I can't hear the your guys commentating that's the one downside of doing the show so i you know i i in my head you know and i'm not on social media really so you tell me call out Kevin kadar calvin kadar i'm like oh my god that's a freaking yeah, fight right. dude that is a ridiculous fight yeah it makes sense and it's funny you say that because sometimes when i'm watching at home i might be you know in my son's bedroom as he's falling asleep and i'm watching on mute without the commentators and sometimes I'll find myself watching a fight and I'm thinking, man, are they calling this as if it's like the best round of the year? Because yeah. sitting here, you know, half baked in my son's bedroom, it looks like <laughs> 2022, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, man, I mean, I think it's a good time for the featherweight division. I mean, Josh Emmett is lurking as well. You know, he's a little bit long in the tooth and has had yep. a lot of injuries. So I would like to kind of see him get fast tracked. But Calvin Cater doesn't have a fight. You know, the belt in this division is going to be on the line here in a couple of weeks. But, you know, Arnold Allen is, is going to factor prominently in this mix. And candidly, when you got a nation behind you, you know, that's not going to hurt his cause in terms of getting big fights. No, not at all. And then we'll, we'll get off this UFC London cards nuts after this. But the main event, Tom Aspinall, going in this fight, you know, it, it, it's always tough. You know, there's a time when, you know, there's pretenders and contenders. And for Tom Aspinall... You know, one fight went out of the first round. You know, he went early in the second round, knocked the guy out in uh, one of his previous fights. But he hasn't been a world beater. He, has, he hasn't been just, like just, you know, fighting the, the t t tip of the spear guys. So I, I found an interesting in the UFC. He goes, oh, you're starching everybody? Here's Volkov, right. who's really only been finished three times in his career, former M1 world champion, Bellator world champion. You know, he went to a decision against Cyril Ghosn. The guy's a tough customer, man. You you want to knock everybody out? Here's Volkov yeah. in O2 Arena, dude. And also, Tom Aspinall's a COVID baby, so he's been fighting in front of 15 yeah. people. So we talk about UFC jitters, and he's never experienced that. So uh, my only caveat going into the fight was like, huge Tom fan. It's a lot to bite off, man. Volkov. Yeah. In O2 Arena, he's fought there before. You know, he, he's beat Verdum. He's beat Overeem. He's impossible to finish. Here's Tom Aspinall. Here's your moment, dude. And yeah. it was there was so much on the table for Tom. And my God, did this dude just completely dominate and get an A-plus on his report card for his introduction into the top five into the UFC heavyweight division. Yeah, man. No, again, you set it up well. I mean, he literally changed his life that night. You know, even if he loses his next fight, he has put himself just on a totally different level with that performance. Now, Aspinall was the underdog when it opened. And just because he's the younger, fresher, faster, more prime fighter, I was surprised by that. You know, he did close as the favorite. Yep. I just feel like there aren't a lot of points of comparison for Tom Aspinall in the heavyweight division right now. And as a former heavyweight yourself with submission skills, perhaps you're the guy who can speak to this better than anyone. You know, 
Some people have compared him to Frank Mir. You know, I think he's a little bigger than Frank Mir. I think he's faster than Frank Mir. Maybe he's not as good with his offensive submissions quite yet as Frank Mir in a mixed martial arts setting, you know. Um, but where's the point of comparison in modern day MMA, the heavyweight right now with the offensive submission skill set that Tom Aspinall does? Like Curtis Blades is headlining this weekend. He'll maul the shit out of Alexander Volkov for 25 minutes, Correct. but he can't necessarily find a submission to save his life. And I love Curtis, you know. But when I factor that into the handicap, I just thought Tom Aspinall had a lot of ways to win. But how was he going to deal with the pressure, the stress of the moment? I think for him, you know, in my last fighter meeting with him, it was more like a curiosity about how he would handle the pressure than it was an anxiety. But he was so excited to compete in front of fans. And I thought he, he handled everything beautifully. But now I think you know that Tom Aspinall can be a UFC champion. You really know the way that he passed this test. I think he can and probably will be a champion in the next three years. I agree. Yeah, I co-sign on that. You know, when the fight kicked off, I was like, you know, I was telling my guys, I'm like, it's a tough fight for Aspinall, man. I'm rooting for him. I want him to win. I picked him to win, but it's a tough, a tough go. And then within the first 45 seconds, when I saw the hand speed and the difference in the quickness of Tom and his athletic ability, I went, oh, Tom, this isn't getting out of the first round. And like, what? You can tell him like, yeah, man, Volkov's oh. in a world, yeah. a world of problems here. This isn't going to end well for Volkov. So, you know, I just thought it was a coming out party for Tom if, if the fans weren't familiar with him. And, you know, and he gets on the mic and, you know, I was telling the guys before he came on, you know, when, when Bisbing's in there doing the, the in the ring, uh, in the octagon, uh, you know, interviews, you know, Bisbee was a guy who was never shy. You know, he would call his shots, and I think he kind of brings that same energy to the fighters, and they feel like, all right, here's Bisbee, and especially in O2 Arena, he's had some historical fights there, so I feel like they kind of take on a bit of his kind of character there, and they're calling guys out. Tom was ready to go, man, calls out Tai Tuavasa, and in my head, I'm like, oh, my God, when I didn't think this guy could nail the night any better, he calls out the perfect opponent, right. the number three heavyweight in the world, Taito Avasa. And I would assume, and you're a betting man like me, I would assume on the odds, Tom's a favorite in that fight, man. Yeah, no. And again, I think you're hitting on an interesting point that I hadn't thought of in terms of people feeding off of Michael Bisping's energy. Because as I've told you before, from the time I first went in there to do my first post-fight interview in 2012, Joe Silva said to me, hey, don't be afraid to go in there and do my job for me. If they make a call out that makes sense, I will literally give them that fight. And wow. obviously, increasingly, you've seen us with a microphone point fighters in that direction. But I do think you've hit on something there that I hadn't thought of, that they are feeding off of Bisping's energy. And when you look at Tom Aspinall as number 11 in the world, like you're right, Tui Vasa makes all the sense in the world. He's number three. So for Ty, obviously, it's giving an opportunity to a guy outside the top 10. Um, but I do think Aspinall would be favored. And not unlike guys like Islam Makashev and Hamzat Shimaev, you know, I don't care what number's next to Tom Aspinall's name. How many heavyweights are you taking right now? Seriously, like I'm not, this isn't hyperbole. Like how many heavyweights are you taking right now over Tom Aspinall if you need a guy to go beat Francis Ngannou? Like agree. there aren't that many. Like I, I can assure you, if you're giving me any welterweight in the world right now to beat Kamar Usman, I'm sending Hamzat Shimaev in there despite the fact that there are eight guys ranked above him. So if you're telling me, John, to save a dog's life, you could have one heavyweight to go fight in Ghana and beat him. Who are you sending in there? It's either fucking Stipe or Tom Aspinall. Agree. Or John Jones. Right. Right. Yeah, I keep forgetting <laughs> about Johnny Bones because he hasn't competed, but you're absolutely right.
No, I'm with you, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm high on Tom now. I, I don't know who beats him. I, you know, I would favor him over Cyril Gunn, which is, I know, a little bit crazy to say, but after seeing his performance, I don't, you know, he has all the skills to get it done, man. Um, That's the you fight know, I want to see. Aspinall. Yeah, me too. And, and I also think it's smart on Aspinall's uh, kind of process because, you know, Curtis Blaze, like you said, fights this weekend. Stylistically, out of all the top five guys, Curtis Blades, to me, you know, it's not the most exciting matchup. It's probably the toughest matchup for Tom. So if we can just leapfrog that and go straight to Taito Avasa, who's third, all right, let, let's, let's, let's deal with that, you know, when the time comes. But if we can get that Taito Avasa fight, it's a fan favorite fight. And then once you beat him, now you have some more chips in your corner to go, all right, I want to fight the winner of Stipe John, you know? Yeah. It's perfect. No, I mean, an Aspinall to Ivasa headliner makes all the sense in the world. And uh, one thing I will say about Curtis Blades, who's 31 years old and headlining this coming weekend, he's not in any great rush in terms of the championship. And I know you have a lot of connections with his team, mm -hmm. um, but he'll fight Tom Aspinall. Like Curtis Blades will fight everybody of that. I can assure you. Yes. And I just would like to see Blades have this like unabashed championship focus the way like Aspinall does, you know, Agreed. and when Curtis has that, he's one of the best in the world. So I'm excited to see him on Thursday and see where he's at. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a tough dude to figure out, tough dude to beat. You know, it's very rare he loses when he does. You know, it's a you know it's a Francis or something. You know, he gets clipped. But if you don't get clipped, you're in a, it's a rough night in the office against Curtis yeah, Blades, man. It's just a rough night in the office. Speaking of heavyweight, um, you know, I had Chael on here two weeks ago, and we were talking about the heavyweight division. And, you know, we both said it makes complete sense to do John Jones Stipe on that big July card, the International Fight Week. That makes all the sense in the world. You have any kind of, I don't even want to say prediction, but if John and Stipe were to fight, you, you know, what's your thoughts on that? It's a fascinating fight. You know, I think size wise, they would be pretty comparable, but John Jones would come in the bigger man, you know. Who knows with Stipe in terms of where he would be at, right? We've seen him come in closer to 230 of late. Obviously, his leanest version was the one he presented the last time out against Daniel Cormier, but he's fought once a year. So who knows how he would approach physically the John Jones fight. But I love the matchup. I know much of our fan base is kind of against interim titles, but I think given the fact that Nganu is likely to miss the rest of the year, throw an interim belt on Stipe and John. Tuivasa and Aspinall can compete on that card as well, which okay. sets you up in a little backup situation. I mean, Gan is lurking, but I think that Stipe would open as a betting favorite against John, but it's a pick and fight to me. You know, I could be off on that. You know, I could be off on that. I think I'm if Stipe were, were to open like plus 140, he would get bet down close to even money. I think it's a pick and fight, and I'm glad I wouldn't have to make a prediction. Me too. Yeah, I think it's a pick 'em fight because, again, to your point, there's a lot of X factors there. What's Stipe going to come in as? John, we haven't seen at heavyweight. So, the, you know, the odds makers, they really don't know either. So it's a pick 'em fight. I do think Stipe would be slightly favored just with his history in the heavyweight division. But uh, Cheo was saying he spoke to Stipe's wife, and Stipe has put on, what do you say, 15 pounds of muscle? Like, he's, he's big right now. So he's used this entire time just to kind of put on this lean muscle to be a heavier guy, which to me can go one of two ways. Sometimes, all right, cool, man. You'll be a harder puncher. But anytime you put on more weight, you're going to be slower, which I think is one of slower and your stamina. I don't care how you get it done, put on muscle. There's no way you put on muscle and you get better cardio. They just don't go hand right. in hand. Right. So I think that's one of Stipe's biggest assets is his cardio. So 
I'm a little alarmed when I hear he's put on weight, but you know, he, he, he knows what's best for him. I know John's put on weight too, which I, if I was in his camp, I, I, I wouldn't suggest it. I think his tools and his assets at heavyweight come from his length, his yeah. speed, his creativity. If he wants to get, I think he was trying to get to 280, 260 pounds. It's like, well, now you're just, you're making it more even for you, for yourself. Right. Now, right. now you're going to try to go toe to toe with these real heavyweights and you're going to be slower to make a lot of sense to me. So right. if there's so many X factors going that fight, I just, I just want to get announced so we can just be, look you. forward to that, man. I'm with you. And I think for Stipe, it does make sense you know, matchup wise with Francis Ngannou as the champion to probably be a bigger heavyweight. I do believe, though, his best version is the 230 pound one Agreed. that moved exceedingly well. The guy that faced Daniel Cormier. It's interesting, too, to talk to a guy like Derek Lewis, who isn't really in the championship mix right now, even though he's highly ranked. He has said, like, if he's going to be a heavyweight champion, he's got to lose 45 pounds, like, before he even begins <laughs> his championship training camp. Like, he believes the championship version of Derek Lewis is 225, 230. And largely, oh, wow. I think. For John Jones at heavyweight, that's much more the wheelhouse than building up to 270 and cutting down, you know? Um, you see Greg Hardy show up for fight week, 291 pounds. It's like, bro, what are you doing? You're going to get cut, you know? Yeah, that's what happened, right? But, uh, yeah, it, 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 you know, and more power to them. If, they, if their team and them want to figure it out and put on weight or lose weight, I just think being the leanest, best possible shape, your power is going to be there. But taking away your speed advantage, whether it's John or Stipe, is not the way to handle it. But they're going to figure it out. Uh, have you heard the rumblings? We're just going to cover everything because I haven't talked in a while. Have, you've, you've heard the rumblings of Connor calling out Kamara Usman. Yes. What your, your thoughts on that? Because I, my initial thing was, all right, Connor calls out everybody, right? He calls out everyone. We're used to that. And then when Dana was like, I'm not opposed to it. And then in my head, you know, obviously, Connor is the biggest star we've ever had in mixed martial arts. So when he says something, there's there's definitely some gravity towards it. You know, he's definitely pulled off the Floyd Mayweather fight, and you know he hasn't won a fight in quite some time. But you know, when he does come back, you know, and he's put on this muscle. I'm sure you've seen him on Instagram stuff like that. He, he again, another guy's put on muscle. The days of 145 are gone. That's right. never happening. So at 55. He, you know, and he said, you know, I'll take the winner of Charles Oliveira versus Justin Gaethje. In my head, I'm like, yeah, they, they could do that. With the Kamara Usman, the more I sit on it, the more I kind of chew on it, I'm like, yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Especially for Kamara Usman. It's like, you know, he's going to fight Leon Edwards and Leon Edwards deserves it and more power to him. And no one's earned it more than Leon Edwards, you know, but if Kamara to get past that for Kamara, it's kind of like these super fights make sense. This Connor is a super fight and for Kamaro, he also, you know, you saw him call Canelo, which is insane, but, you know, I see what he's right. doing there. It's a money play. But Kamaro versus Connor, yeah, sign me up, man. Sign me up. Well, I will say about Dana, and I know he was criticized for even giving the Charles Oliveira, Conor McGregor fight any legs, but largely Dana like does believe in a meritocracy. And in a perfect world, like the, the number one contender would be the guy challenging for the belt. But there are a lot of different factors, you know. Let's take Charles Oliveira before I get to Kamara, right? If he beats Justin Gaethje, right, after what he did to Dustin Poirier and Michael Chandler, would Charles Oliveira not be able to call his shot and ask for the seven-figure payday that Agreed. comes with fighting Conor McGregor? I guess on the Kamara Usman side for me, if Hamzat Shimaev is able to get past Gilbert Burns and Kamara Usman is able to get through Leon Edwards, you know, 
Usman and Shimaev is the fight to make. And I think competitively, I would think that would be an itch that Kamar Usman would want to scratch. But yes, you hit on a lot of truths, even if they're inconvenient truths, about Conor McGregor and his star power and the payday that Kamar Usman would realize. I just think for Conor to wrap his head around like a 12-week commitment down to 155 pounds to fight Charles Oliveira is not what he wants to do at this stage. You know? I agree 100%. So. I also think, too, if you know the purist out there, I'm like, no, we have a ranking system for a reason, and the number one contender should be fighting for the championship. I get all that, but if you're a fan of whoever that champion is and you want them to ha get that fuck you money connor is the only guy who gets him to that point so i'm a camaro fan so i want him to make more money than god and that's why even the canelo fight terrible fight for him dude right. awful f what right. canelo's in his prime the, to me the pound for pound best in the fucking world he would absolutely mop the floor with camaro I hope it happens so he gets generational wealth. Right. When when it comes to Connor, it's like I hope that happens so Kamaro gets this huge payday. That's why I want it. And I know the purists are like, well, there's so many contenders. I get all that, man. But Kamaro's put in the work where he deserves this type of fight. Right. And he's beat most of the contenders, right? And certainly there's some segment of the fan base that, that still feels like Hamza Chimaev has things to prove. Even if he beats Gilbert Burns and takes his number two ranking, there are going to be people who think he needs one more win. Largely, I agree with you. And a guy like Charles Oliveira, too, um, you know, he does so much good with the money, right? That how would you not like that? So they say to Charles, you know, Hunter says, all right, Charles, you can fight Islam Makhachev or, or Conor McGregor. You know, I mean, come on, you know, it's a no brainer, man. And uh, yeah, I know fans get upset, but it's like, it's also a business because when, if, if you're Dana White and you're sitting around on Monday's marketing meeting and we're in the business of selling pay-per-views and selling fights, you know, it's like Makachev, you know, or, you know, Conor McGregor, as much as I love Makachev, I do think he's to be, you know, champ for a long time. His time will come, but right now let's, let's squeeze as much green juice as we can out of Conor, whether it's at 55 or 70, I don't care, but let's make one of these fights happen. Even if it's for a world championship. And I'll just say this, right? My former boss, Bellator CEO, Bjorn Rebney, right? In 2009, when he launched Bellator, right? And Bjorn at that time was like the biggest UFC fan I had ever met in my life. I oh, mean, wow. I didn't know that. He loved mixed martial arts. But his number one goal was just to try to take sort of that promotional component out of it and make it a meritocracy and make it a bracket. And it's just so much easier said than done. You know, it really is. And it's I still think entertainment. Yes, at the end of the day, it is. And I do think that by and large, the UFC does a great job giving the most deserving guys those opportunities. But gosh, there's so many factors, like even the calendar B, right? Like even just the calendar for Usman and Edwards, like everything has to align. And if it doesn't, um, sometimes to stay relevant, you need to take a fight. And candidly, I think for Connor, he's going to have to take a fight because the welterweight championship is not going to be the one that gets presented, you know? Yep, agree. Are you, uh, are you, on, are you as high on Hamzat? as uh, the rest of the world dude when i say that i've been on hamzat's hairy dagestani and nuts oh. for quite some time bro i mean you, you that dude scares me man scared and, and just it, it's he's become like this mythical creature like darren till's training with him and chael said he watched him train at the the ap uh, you know in in vegas at the ufc institute and he's like dude i'm telling you man these stories and his coach coach told me this in Sweden, he goes, we've never seen him lose a round. I go, yeah, but don't you have like Latifi and Gustafin? He goes, yeah, he's never lost a round. What? 
Well, right. What? So, like, what are you supposed to think, right? When you hear that he tosses Alir Latifi, who's competing at heavyweight this weekend, on his head, when Kamzat's now fighting Gilbert Burns, who, I mean, I work with Gilbert Burns' coaches down here at the Institute of Human Performance. They say he's as strong as he's ever been. He's like, it's like a lightweight fight, a light heavyweight, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I, hey, Gilbert Burns is a fucking dog, man, you know, and it wouldn't necessarily surprise me to see him drag Hamzat into deep water, but I am all chips to the center of the table on Hamzat, and I've seen him fight live several times, right? So I think I'm even like more all about it, you know, and more trying to fast track him, you know? I said going into 2021 that my dream fight for that year in any weight class was Hamzat Shimaev against Colby Covington, and it's still a dream fight for me. but I don't know. I really, really can't wait till we get to April 9th to truly see how Hamzat does against an elite welterweight with respect to Lee Jing Leong. That's the thing, right? It's like, can we not shit all over Lee Jing Leong and Gerald Mooshart, right? I mean, come on. You know, April 9th, we're getting clarity, though. We're, we're getting, getting so much clarity. And I think it's going to relieve some of the, you know, the hate that Hamzat gets from the pure stuff like that. And when I heard the Gilbert Burns matchup, and I love, I listen, I, I was trained with Gilbert at uh, the Black Zillions in Florida uh, when I was getting ready to fight Noguera in Brazil. And he was just getting to MMA, but he was the jiu-jitsu coach. And he is the nicest guy you've ever yeah. met. He's like such a sweet human being. I absolutely love Gilbert. I And this is no shade on Gilbert because he, you know, he's he's one of the top five in the world for a reason. You know, he did rock Kamar Usman. He's a savage I don't see in any facet that he beats Hamzat. That's how positive I am of Hamzat being like the next freaking thing, man. Yeah. You no, know, I mean, we are aligned. You know, I think a lot of these divisions have like a boogeyman right now, whether it's Kamzat Shimaev or Islam Akashev. You know, Marab Dwalishwili is not as skilled as those guys, but he's a guy at Bantamweight who's in the top six, who I think most of the strikers in that division are going to try to avoid. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Gilbert's the man. And I think his biggest asset going into that fight is that he has all the self-belief in the world. And it's not as though... He doesn't agree with the superlatives about Kamzat Shimaev. He just thinks he's better and he's going to beat him, you know, and I love that about Gilbert. But man, it's like, you know, this guy was in there and getting knocked out by Dan Hooker in 2018. With all due respect, I just see this candidly, Brendan, as two guys in different weight classes, you know, and my concern with Shimaev long term was can he make 71 consistently? And it actually looks like he's going to be able to do that, you know, so and my and to your point too, like one of the fights you want to see most is Kobe versus Hamzat. I think there's a world because to me, nothing is better than a fighter's come up. Like when when they're just starting to go through the rankings, and there's kind of that weird mystery. Like, can they pass this test? Can they do this? There's nothing more exciting in sports than watching an actual contender become a world champion when they pass those tests. Like. Conor McGregor, his come up was insane, dude. And that's why I'm such a big ride or die Conor McGregor fan. His antics outside the octagon, it's getting a little crazy. I still defend the guy. But the the come up of the, like these superstars, there's nothing better. So for Hamzat, I would like to see him fight Kamaro. And, and again, uh, I might be in this weird Hamzat trance. I just don't see Kamaro beating him, which is insane he's the pound for pound number one guy on the on the roster in the ufc but i I, you know if he beats gilbert and let's say he molly whops him the first round which could happen i still don't think he goes straight to kamaro i I think you give him the colby fight 
if, if he if he gets out there uninjured, then we go Colby, and then it's very clear who's next for for Kamal if you were to get past Leon Edwards. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that makes all the sense in the world. I mean, like, think about Hamza Chimaev in there with like Yuri Prohaska or Glover Teixeira, you know, like those aren't like huge mismatches necessarily. And we're talking about the elite 205 pounders, 35 pounds up, you know, so I'm excited to see him toe to toe with Gilbert Burns, like in the octagon on Saturday night, not necessarily in the lead up, but like once they've rehydrated, what do those two guys look like? What do they weigh in at? You know, does Gilbert Burns reweigh at, you know, 78 and Hamzad at like 202? I mean, Nuts. you know, so, yeah, I mean, I think an Usman fight has the potential to just be an absolute bloodbath war, just Agree. one of the most exhausting nights of of both of those men's professional lives. Um, but it's exciting, man. You know, it's like, it's always interesting when people say, oh, you know, wh where are the superstars? And it's like, dude, they're always coming. I remember a few years ago, it's like, well, maybe this guy Adesanya can take the torch and sure as shit, he took it. You know what I mean? So like, there's always new superstars and you're right. Like the most special part of the job for me without question is the come up. Like people ask me, oh, what's the best fight you've ever called? And it's more about the moments when Jan Bohovich breaks through for Poland and becomes a first-time champion or yep. Teixeira or Charles Oliveira, um, the progression to become a UFC champion. And I think that's why, like, Tom Aspinall's performance put me in such a good mood. Me too. Maybe very night. Sort of, you know, seems like we're watching a guy, you know, en route to greatness. Made my night. And I, I think uh, we'll get off Hamzat after this. I do think there's a world where Hamzat could get the 170-pound uh, world championship and also you know we've just talked about how big he is him versus izzy you know that's not too far off man yeah you know, that, that, that could happen this weird world of the ufc that we live in yeah the one thing that i find most interesting about chimaev is that he wants to be fighting a lot more often than he is being allowed to compete and that's twofold right part of it is because it's hard to get people to fight him but it's also because andreas michael and the coaches at his gym like they want him to be clear intention. They don't want him flirting with middleweight super fights every other week. They want him focused on welterweight title contention. And sometimes that's going to mean sitting for six or eight months. But you can be sure, like, if he beats Gilbert Burns on April 9th, like, he ain't going to take the rest of the year off waiting for the winner between Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards. Like, dude wants to fight. And as you know, when you get to the elite levels, like, you can't just fight every few weeks. No. So I think they're going to have works. to figure out that navigation. Yeah, that's why, you know, I, and to your point too, I suggested a Kobe Covington fight to close the year out. Let it keep him active. Let yeah. him take out these big dogs. You know, that, that, that's a great fight. Um, before I get you out of here, you know, with, with when Rogan uh, missed the, uh, the pay per view, um, how, how was that for you? Because again, I think what makes you, Rogan, and DC special. It, it's similar, and I'm not saying we have the same jobs in any capacity. You know, I, I, on the last companion, we talked about octopus for 30 minutes. But with what you guys do and all the research and all that, what makes you guys hands down the best to ever do it is is there's this companionship. It's friends, it's friendship. You guys have fun. You guys know exactly. You know, you don't talk over each other. You set each other up. It's like this friendship that I think shows on the broadcast, which you know, sometimes it's just a job and you have, you know, you have your play by play, you know, you have your color commentator and, you know, and then the guys do their thing. It's great. There's nothing wrong with that. But when the three of you get together, there's this weird kind of chemistry that I think everybody vibes with. So when you take that out 
and you know you put in Bisping, who's fantastic. He's amazing. I think he's you know definitely going to be you know, the face of the UFC as far as commentating goes. Uh, if Rogan were to ever stepped out, he's the next guy in line. But it has to be a little hard for you, right? Like going through that dynamic and that drama and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, and I appreciate everything you say sincerely. And I do think the reason your content does so well is because it's relatable and people just enjoy every one of these dynamics that you have wisely put yourself in. But yeah, it looked like Joe was going to work the show. So I was massively disappointed when he decided that he wasn't going to work the show. And candidly, he's as selfless as it gets. That's the thing, right? It's like he took himself out of that show because every single time he would have gone to the octagon, they would have been chanting for Joe Rogan. Every single fighter who the focus is supposed to be on would have got on the mic and put Joe over. And he just didn't want to, I think, be a distraction and be the center of attention. But there's just a special dynamic to that broadcast booth when he is there. And, you know, he's as irreplaceable as it gets in a broadcasting field in which we are all replaceable. You know, there's just not another Joe Rogan walking through that door. And even though I have said at long last that I think that he will outlast me in the UFC broadcast booth, like I think he's a lifer. I think he'll he'll do that job forever. Ooh, uh, I don't think so. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I guess I just see him on fight night, you know, and I just see the joy that it brings him. And of all the things that he has his toe in, I think that he he just gets so much joy from it. But I could be wrong. You know, I just could never imagine UFC pay-per-views without him. And obviously, there's just a special component that he brings to that booth that um, that nobody else can really bring. So, yeah, it was a tough fight week, but um I had never been so excited to give him a hug in my life, obviously, when he was back with us a couple of weeks ago. And uh, obviously, we're thankful to have him in Jayville here in a few weeks, man. Yeah, and I, f- I feel like when I see the three of you together, it has that big fight energy. When I see the three of you, I'm like, oh, this is a big boy card. Let's go, man. Well, thank it's just you. just no, the three excited, of you guys, man. man. Yeah, it's great. It's crazy to think we've been doing it now for five years. I remember when I called my first fight with Joe. 10 years ago in 2012 on short notice because Goldie couldn't make it for whatever reason. And now I was looking today, just I was looking today to see the last time we were in Columbus, Ohio. And it's like, man, you know, we've been doing these pay-per-views five and a half years together. And, um, you know, I just want those guys to have fun and be loose. And um, hopefully we succeed more than we fail. Oh man, you guys have been crushing. Also, DC is such a, a special dude. You know, me and DC did this Super Bowl companion right. on Thick Boy and, you know, me and DC have been friends for years, man, and training partners, and we have all these stories, but, you know, we haven't seen each other for a long time. Sure as hell haven't worked together, but it's just like, he just such a, you know, open-minded, like, fun dude. So me and him are laughing nonstop during this freaking broadcast, man. I mean, just could not stop laughing, man. He's just like a guy. It's like you're in the locker room, and DC's the funniest guy in the locker room, man. No, it's true, man. I mean, he's probably the most naturally gifted broadcaster that I've ever worked with. You know, the first time I saw him on television in 2011, I was in the delivery room with my wife, and it was the first (laughs) ESPN MMA live show that I ever missed. And Daniel was doing his first, like, national TV show. And I was like, yeah, I mean, his suit is like five sizes too big, but this <laughs> really tough. Like he just was great. And he is great. And candidly for me, he's my brother. Like, and I'm sure you can relate to this. Like, we're not always like this, right? Like there are times where we have gotten into fights and had sure. disagreements and, 
but I love him like a brother. And I just can't help but smile and be happy when I'm around him. You know, like he just has this energy that is indescribable. And uh, I know I talk about Rogan in these glorifying special terms, but DC's really right there, man. I mean, when he's not in the booth, we miss that too. Like you, you feel that lack of Cormier presence when he's not there. No, you guys are the UFC rap pack. You know, you can't, it's not the pack if one's missing, man. You know, we need the three of you together for it to be Thanks. a big event. Before I get you out of here, Tell the fans why they should tune into this fight night in Columbus on Saturday. I mean, solid main event, you know, but it's not, you know, you look at the card from top to bottom and, and I know, I know you work for the UFC, you know, it's not going to blow your hair back, you know, so. Yeah. I mean, certainly the main event I think has been heightened by what Tom Aspinall did last week. And I'm not sure if Curtis Blades and Chris Dawkins would sort of subscribe to that line of thinking, but if they're watching the shop show, like let's fucking go boys. Right. You saw what the number 11 guy did last week, you know, yep. huge opportunity now to do something just as special, you know? So I'm excited for that. And obviously Matt Brown, you know, hasn't competed in Ohio since his win over Eric Silva in a main event in Cincinnati That's in 2014. Right. I mean, he's 41 years old and I mean, I don't know that anybody sort of can, you know, light up the Ohio crowd quite like Matt Brown. So I'm excited that he's healthy and uh, and he's on the main card. Max Griffin and Neil Magny got a big flyweight eliminator with Askar Askarov and Kai Kata France. So, yeah, I mean, the UFC cuts my check so I can get excited about, you know, the worst UFC fight night of the year. But this is certainly not that. And uh, I'm excited to get to Columbus, man. Well, I love it, man. Good luck out there, and uh, we'll be watching. I think uh, I'll be on the road in Chicago, but I have the fights on in the back. And uh, yeah, man, you know, you know, I love you, man. We get, and your schedule is busier than mine, man. So I'm always like, hey, come do a food truck or get on a companion. But you're busy, man. You got kiddos, but we got to figure some some way to get you out here, get you on a food truck or a fight companion, man. Dude, I would love to do a companion or a food truck. I was waiting for you guys to give sneakers to every guest before I did the food truck thing. And now that you're giving sneakers away, I think I'll make the plunge. No, but dude, next time <laughs> we're at the top of my list. The next time I get to Southern California and keep up the great work, I'm ingesting everything you guys are doing. And uh, I appreciate you having me, my man. Thank you, brother. Appreciate it, man. Have fun this Saturday. Say what's up to Ke Kenny for me, man. Kenny Florent. Oh, well. I miss that guy. Me and him used to do a lot of work out here. Then he moved during the pandemic. So all my friends have left me, man. So tell Kenny I said what's up, man. All right, buddy. Keep up the good work. Thanks again for having me. We'll talk Bye, soon. brother. Talk later. All right, Jim. What do you got? How, how great right. is John Anik? He's man? the best, dude. One of my favorite people in all of sports. And the best at his job, too. He's, He's incredible. So he doesn't mess up at all. Never mess no. up. No. He was saying Makachev's name different, and he definitely knows. But Makachev I was like, or something like that. Mm, <laughs> mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would get fired from the UFC just because I struggle with names, <laughs> especially all the Dagestanians. I know Zillians it's getting and tougher and tougher these days. Oh my god, dude, we're gonna have to adapt. Yep. We're gonna have to adapt. Just call, you know, just call him Hamzat. He would give his whole name. Like, all right, be quick, trying to flex on me, dude. Or just that daddy, like you said. And then Makachev, he's saying his certain, like, I forget. Makachev or something like that. <laughs> yeah. All right, dude. Be cool, man. All right, Jim, what do you got? All right, first one is, this is Israel, San Israel Adesanya on his YouTube channel. He uh -huh. was watching the London fights. And then he noticed that Darren Till jumped on the cage with Tom Aspinall. Uh -huh. So this is what he said. No one ever tapped from a straight arm ball. Wow. Oh, sit down, buddy. It's not your moment. Get the fuck off. There's not one in a while. Let him enjoy it. So he's basically clowning him for jumping on the cage with Tom. So then 
Darren Till responded as well. Uh, see, Tilt seems to have taken offense, especially part where they laugh, say he hasn't won in a while. Let him enjoy it. And he put, uh, at Style Benner, you idiot. Tom Aspinall asked me to get on the cage with him. Keep looking down on me for my losses, brother. It's all good. I'll be here one day. You watch. You haven't looked the best either in your last few fights. Staff cocaine It's not healthy for fighters. Interesting. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Never heard that rumor. but yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't. Yeah. That's not Izzy's thing, you know? Yeah. You know, uh, Darren Till likes to talk a lot of shit. So, you know, it's just. Seems like he's getting a little better now, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, I think it's tough because if you're not winning the shit talk. Of course. Like, yeah. Uh, this I thought was interesting because Hamza, remember you, you told that story when Hamza flew to freaking Ireland to beat up Connor. So now he's asking Connor if he wants to train with him. I love that. Yeah, he's just creating a whole freaking crew with him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, and obviously Jeff Dye and Chris D'Elia don't know UFC very well, but on uh, the fight campaign, Jeff Dye said this. He goes, man, if if I'm uh, uh, Conor McGregor, I take Hamza under my wing, man, or like a Patty Pimblett under my wing. And like, hey, let's, let's, you know, let me show you and like, let me help you. He's like, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Cause like Hamza and Connor never fight. That's never happened. No. There's no threat there. So it'd, it'd be cool if Connor, Connor's just a different animal though. I, I don't think he's going to go there to, you know, maybe a train, but I, you know, he's just a different animal. Yeah. <clears throat> um, okay. This is also kind of weird. So Sean Strickland, for some reason, he has beef with Khalil Roundtree and he went off on, went off on him on his Instagram, I believe. Really? So uh, we had Cleo Roundtree on Food Truck. It uh, airs on Wednesday. So the Food Truck with Cleo Roundtree, mm-hmm. you'll see he's just a great freaking dude. Yeah, man. that's One of like my favorite people. Across the board, everyone says he's great. Um, Except for Sean Strickland. He goes, you guys have no idea who this man is. I'm telling you, if you met him, you would absolutely hate him. I disagree with that. You want to hear last some of that? Last time I sparred Roundtree, I bled him up while laughing the entire time. That was the last time he sparred me. Even apologized just because he was uh, a decent body. He still wouldn't. All right, go ahead. Roundtree, because clearly you guys have no idea who the fuck this man is. And I'm gonna explain to you who this man is. And all you little, all you little bitches saying, "Oh, we'll go spar him." You guys understand that we used to train the same gym, and I would have loved to use him as a body. I only got the opportunity once, and then he would avoid me like the plague. I wanted to, I tried to, but anyways, back to why you guys have no idea who, who the fuck little Roundtree is. There's this chick, you big girl, big tall. Little thick, a little bit too thick for me, but 20 pounds lighter, she looked like a fucking supermodel. Anyways, amazing, sweet girl. Clue walks up behind her to like show her move, and she makes like a sexual harassment joke. And it was fucking hilarious. I laughed, the gym laughed, and then Khalil fucking snaps on her. I'm like, dude, like this is like a it's like a sweet girl. Like she's fucking joking. Calm down. Anyways, second incident. We're all training, and I'm giving everybody a speech about like when you're on the mat. You need to go to the best motherfucker, try to take his head, take his spot. And I looked and I pointed at Khalil and I was like, and if I see you guys going fucking round tree, I know you're being a bunch of pussies because he's the softest guy on the mat. Anyways, guy fucking storms off the gym, gets a little emotional. Or like the third time. I, uh, actually, the third time, the third time might have been a little fucked up. He had this ex-girlfriend once and I joked. I was like, Khalil, I hate on her too and you were the better man, you know? But it was funny. It was like, it was like, me and your boys, you know, it was like camaraderie. And he goes to the UFC and fucking complains. Like, this this man is a cut. You guys have no concept who he is. He he met- I mean, none of that stuff shows that Cleo's a bad guy. <laughs> it's <laughs> funny when he says that. That's yeah, why. Yeah. It's just like, you're kind of a douche. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 it was a hard take. Yeah. Only got 45,000 views. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, fighters are going to fight. You know, it's, you know, what can you do? I, I like Sean Strickland and I like Khalil. But I know Khalil way better than Sean Strickland. Khalil's a good dude. Yeah. Great guy. I mean, everyone yeah. thinks so. Um, okay, so this is just Chell Sonnen's opinion that Adesanya needs to fight Colby Cummings and and go up to 85. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to go up to 85. Look, Kobe has called out three guys in the last two weeks. He, of course, called out Kamara Usman. He called out Israel. He called out Dustin Poirier. Now, you've got to understand the one thing those three guys have in common is they're all world champions. Um, they're hard call-outs by Chaos. But Chaos, who's obviously a number one contender, uh, does not get a fight for a championship. It's a tough spot. So he's saying, look, I'm even willing to leave the division. Let me take this goal and take it off number one contender. Let me cash it in at 185. Quite fr- frankly, nobody needs uh, Kobe as bad as Izzy. I don't know if Israel is aware of that yet, but he's starting to fight people that aren't doing their job in the media, that aren't bringing the attention, that aren't helping the brand and making the marquee fight as big as it could be. I think if Izzy stood back and saw what Colby has to offer, that's going to be a partner that he would like to do business with. Agree? Hmm? Agree. Yeah, there's there's not much um, that's going to get you up for an Izzy fight right now. It's not because of Izzy. You just need a formal opponent oh, like... Yeah. Jose Aldo forever was the king of the division, really didn't get his notoriety to fuck Conor McGregor. So not that Izzy needs more notoriety, but I think to really get the the casuals to rally around and uh, you know pay money to really make a difference for his fight, Colby Cummings could be that guy. He's mm-hmm. your Huckleberry. Yeah, that'd be a cool fight to watch too. Um, so just a quick one. Francis Agano got his surgery. It was successful. It's out nine nine yeah. weeks, uh, nine months, nine months. Yeah, yeah that's nine you. months. Yeah, rematch: Rose Namajunas versus Carla Sparza for UFC two seventy four. Okay, Carla won last time. Yep, and Rose be a slight favorite in that fight. Mm-hmm. Now, this is I don't know if this is a joke or not, but Piotr Jan says that Sean O'Malley will be in his corner. That's awesome. His guys can't make it because of you know, oh, travel right. stuff. Yeah, that's cool. I dig that. And he asked Henry Cejudo as well. So just going for like yeah. a celebrity monster MMA corner. And that's Sean corner saying spot he is taking my sugar Sean. Hilarious. Yeah. I love that. You already talked about um, Arnold Allen versus Cater, right? With, uh, With John? Anik, yeah. Okay. Love that fight. Because, yeah. you know, I can't hear the broadcast, so I didn't know he called Calvin Cater out. That is a freaking fight, mm-hmm. man. Do you know this guy, Casey Lydon? He works for MMA Fighting. He's also married to Esther Lynn, that photographer. Oh, yeah. Photographer. Yeah, great guy. So he's been with MMA Fighter for a long time. He's like 44 years old. He had his first MMA fight, and he won. So he, he what he did is he did my boy Rich Chow's thing where- Oh, that one. Yep. Bullies or what's it called? I, uh, I think he's called Ulta now. Okay. They changed the name, but it's from, I think what it was from something Wimps to- yeah, yeah, Wimps to Warriors. Wimps like to Warriors, what they changed it to Alta. Mm-hmm. So what this program does is you do a 20-week fight camp with like a major, major gym. Yeah. Like some of the biggest gyms like Faraz, um, John Kavanaugh, you know, Greg Jackson. You, you go to actual camps, you get 20 weeks. You, have, you don't have to have any prior knowledge of fighting. And they mold you in 20 weeks. You do a real camp, like an actual professional MMA fighter for 20 weeks and then 20 weeks you don't have to but if you want you can take a smoker where you fight another person with the same experience yeah. that's pretty cool it's pretty cool yeah. man and you get to real like kind of check that 
off the bucket list that you got to go through a training camp and take on a fight. And it's pretty cool, man. It's so as a he won Esther's yeah. husband, or Esther's uh, husband, husband. Yeah. As a journalist too. That's cool. He's an MMA journalist. So he actually stepped in the K or stepped into whatever that is. Yeah. More power fact. to yeah. him, man. Good for him. Yeah. And his, his wife, Esther's, you know, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. One of the most talented we've ever seen. All right. So we have some fights. We have UFC and one championship. Yeah. So you have uh, a fight night in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and John Anik built that guy's up for you. Broke it down a little bit. You got uh, Dukakis and Dacus. Dacus. Yeah, you got Chris Dacus and Curtis Blades for your main event. You know, Chris coming off the knockout of um, Derek Lewis, and then obviously Curtis Blades is just one of those guys. He's always going to be floating around the top five for as long as he's fighting. Um, you know, uh, Askrov versus uh, Kai Kara France, probably your best fight on the card, on the lineup. You look at it. Latifi, Olenek's fun. My boy Neil Magny, uh, Max Griffin. How Neil Magny's not on the main card is nutsos to me, but it is what it is. Neil Magny was uh, hoping to take the Hamzat fight, but Hamzat got Gilbert Burns. A nice fight in Max Griffin, which is a great fight. Um, Matt Brown versus our boy Brian Barberina. Yeah, that's, that's a great fight. Matt Brown, I'm sure he's going to blow the roof off uh, You know the Ohio fan base there. It's a good card. It's a good card. Compared to the fight night London, not the same vibes but you know whether it's bellator ufc whatever you watch nobody has a better card than one championship this weekend one championship has a hell of a card for you guys it's this saturday march 26 for people in north america it will be available at 1 a.m eastern time on pay-per-view but i'm telling you this card is stacked from top to bottom I have a really special interest in it because uh, one of my boys, John Wayne Parr, yeah. it's his last fight. It's a Muay Thai Legends fight. Um, I'm praying to God he wins this fight. If he wins this fight, it'd be his 100th win, I think, Chip. Yeah. Is that right? Yep, yep. John Wayne Parr, man, one of the best to ever do it. You met him in Australia. Incredible dude. The nicest yeah. guy ever, man. Just a walking legend, man. So it's his send-off fight. So that's really why I want to focus on this card. You also got two people that we talk, I would say, a lot about throughout the history of, you know, whether it's uh, the Big Brown Breakdown or Below the Belt or the Shop Show or Fight Companions with Rogan or Fight Companions in general that I do now, Cowboys Fight Companion. You got the, I think, the most stylish, best looking body in mixed martial arts, Sexy Yama. Oh, doing the freaking thing. I yeah. say Angela Lee, but no, sexy no, Yama. sir. No, sir. Sexy Yama. <laughs> you know my vibes, yeah, dude. Yeah. You got Sexy Yama with just that golden skin, dude. Mm -hmm. He is Jack City. So you got the MMA Japanese legends fight against uh, Aoki, who is obviously uh, basically an anaconda disguised yeah. as a small Japanese man. Um, and then you also got uh, Rutang versus DJ, who obviously DJ is considered one of the best, if not the best mixed martial artists of all time. And DJ is over that one championship. What's great about this fight is there's no judges so there's not going to be a decision so it's four rounds and they're in mma gloves the entire time but the first round the the gentleman that he's fighting uh rutang is literally a complete you got to look this guy up he is a complete monster might have the best chin you've ever seen i saw him get head kicked and just kept look at him yeah. he puts <laughs> his hands insane. down he's the most entertaining fighter that you you've ever seen dude he just puts his hands down mm -hmm. and goes to work. Um, you can see on YouTube, it's almost at 10 million views. Rutang's most savage moments. 
It's insane, dude. He just this little monster. So clearly Muay Thai's his thing. He's an absolute uh complete monster when it comes to Muay Thai. So he's fighting Demetrius Johnson, DJ. So what they're doing is the first round is just Muay Thai with MMA gloves on. The second round is MMA. The third round is Muay Thai. The fourth round is MMA. And there's no judge's decision. You know, it's just, I guess, a draw if nobody gets finished. With my mixed martial arts experience, I would uh, be willing to bet that DJ finishes him in the second round. I think he chokes him out in the second round. Yeah. I think he takes him down chokes him out. And I know Rutang, you know, he's doing some jiu-jitsu and wrestling in Thailand and stuff like that. You're literally messing with the the best ever do it as far as from striking to wrestling to grappling. It's it's there's there's not a there's not enough hours in the day to make up the difference of trying to adapt to that grappling. I think DJ gets a submission victory. I'll say rear naked choke or arm bar in the second round. I do think, you know, that first round is going to be a bit of a demon for him to get out of. Um, but I do think with his footwork, his movement, he can move enough where he doesn't get finished. But come that second round, all he has to do is get a leg and it's over. So I think uh, DJ wins that fight by submission second round. But that fight is so interesting. And honestly, the best fight in the card is the Adam Weight Championship, uh, the the women's Adam Weight Championship, the one championship Adams uh, Championship against Angela Lee. And I think the best name in uh, mixed martial Pretty arts combat ass. sports, Stamp Fairtex. If you, it, yeah, so you're showing Angela Lee right mm-hmm. now, who is a complete demon. I think her dad was an anaconda. Her freaking uh, jiu-jitsu is second to none. She's not bad on the feet at all. She can obviously carry herself on the feet, but really her kind of specialty, what makes her the outlier is her jiu-jitsu. And uh, also not mad, easy on the eyes as well. Super marketable. And uh, also has that mom power as well, has the mama power. Her husband, uh, I think, is also a fighter, but also her brother also fights. And her sister. And her sister. Mm -hmm. The whole family fights. But she is a complete badass, man. But when she's going against Stamp, and what's interesting about Stamp, Stamp won the Grand Prix to earn this title shot. Uh, But, you know, Stamp's background is Muay Thai. She's also pretty damn good at jiu-jitsu, too. You know, when you watch uh, Angela Lee's fights, you know, she has a tremendous chin. She, she's fought world championship boxes before. She's taking crazy punches, you know, and just keeps doing the damn thing. Finally gets them down and submits them. You know, so I I think she's going to definitely, Stamps going to have an advantage on the feet with her Muay Thai. But again, I think it's only a matter of time. And Stamps, young, she is, you know, uh, she's going to be your champion. But I just think Angela Hill, or, uh, Angela Lee is too much right now for her because you know stamp will go to the ground and uh you know she's won some pretty big competitions as far as jiu-jitsu jiu-jitsu goes but uh angela is just an outlier man when it comes to the ground you know she's trained with uh aoki she's a freaking badass man her transitions she's super creative like aoki if something's there she's gonna take it it's hard to train for that type of ground game man she's very creative super super creative and then you guys, you guys always forget she has that mama power, man. Mm-hmm. So that's going down Saturday, March 26th, one championship. My boy, freaking John Wayne Parr on his freaking retirement fight. 100 fights if he wins this bad boy. 100 fights. Then you have the Japanese legends, 
uh, Aoki versus Sexy Yama. Sexy Yama, best body in the history of mixed martial arts. And then you got DJ versus Rutang doing the special fight, four rounds, MMA gloves, one round's Muay Thai. Sorry, two rounds are going to be Muay Thai. Two rounds are going to be MMA. I think DJ gets it done. And then my favorite fight on the card, the women headline this thing, Angela Lee versus Stamp Fairtex. And I think Angela Lee gets it done via submission. So I will take uh, Angela Lee via submission. I will take DJ via submission. And then I will also take my boy, John Wayne Parr, getting it done via KO, TKO, however you want to see fit there. And then uh, Aoki uh, Sexyama is an interesting one. Because mm-hmm. when you watch uh, Sexyama just kind of doing his thing, you know, he'll do some commentating stuff. Just, I mean, I don't know who his... <laughs> stylist is but jesus christ dude just a dime piece man just a f- straight up dime piece there we look go. at him <laughs> look at him dude <laughs> look at that watch i don't know what that is the thing i know with water i don't know what it, it's like he's re- representing that watch company though but he's a uh, very stylish him. man oh my god yeah. best fashion in mma dude best fashion mm-hmm. like Dude, you shouldn't wear that many bracelets. Unless you're Chris Angel, I say it's frowned upon, but Sexyama can, he can pull it <laughs> literally do whatever he wants. Yeah, he's uh, distractingly good looking. <laughs> distractingly. Dude, and it, do you want to talk about his lats, daddy? And his lower know, back? Man. Don't get me started. And his golden skin? Oh, look at this. There you go. Look at him, dude. <laughs> what is happening right now? And his hair? Like that silver hair? Mm-hmm. Wispy. Dime piece. Tough fight against Aoki. You know, he's yeah. definitely longer in the tooth there. Very tough fight against Aoki to not get submitted. But, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to pick against my boy Sexyama. It ain't happening. Is he going to win? I wouldn't put money on it, but I'm not betting against him. Uh, but there you have it. That's one championship. It's going down this Saturday. By far the best freaking card of the weekend. I mean, it's the best card in a long time as well. Whether no matter what organization that you watch, one championship is delivering some real, real entertaining stuff right now, man. So again, that is Saturday, March twenty sixth. Available on pay per view. Starts at one a.m. Eastern. So is that ten p.m. Pacific? Not sure. It's on pay per view. But again, you got Angela Lee, you got Stamp Fairtex, best name in combat sports. You got Rutang, uh, DJ, DJ, the pound for pound, I mean, top two, greatest of all time. And again, you got uh, Aoki and Sexyama. And then we kick it off with my boy, John Wayne Parr, going for, for his 100th win. win. You guys owe it to him to tune in to watch John Wayne Parr in his send-off fight, man. So enjoy those fights. One championship, pay-per-view. It's at 1 a.m. Eastern. Go watch it. It's a hell of a card, man. It's a hell of a card. Is that it, Chin? That's it. Uh, I will be in freaking Chicago this week. I'm Chicago. Please send your recommendations for deep dish pizza, even though I won't eat it. The rest of the team will, but I will watch them eat it. I guess just as much joy watching people eat it. Um, no, I will probably try it out. But uh, yeah, that's this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Chicago. It's actually Schaumburg Improv right outside Chicago, but go get your tickets right now. Chicago, I got the flyest outfit you've seen for Chicago. I get this ridiculous jacket for you guys, Cubs inspired. Uh, that, that is March 24th through 26th. That's this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Before I head off to Chicago, this Wednesday is Shab and Friends at the Hollywood Improv. One show, one night only, 8 p.m. We're at Chris D'Elia, Jeff Dye, Brian Callen, Chappelle Lacey, and a very special guest. You know how we do 
This will be our seventh sold-out show in a row. So, L.A., come get some at the Hollywood Improv this Wednesday, 8 p.m., one show only. But Chicago, you're up this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Then after that, April 14th through the 16th, I'm at Stand Up Live in Phoenix, Arizona. And then Austin, Texas is, I guess, mid-end of April. Austin, Texas, your boy is one of the headliners for the Moon Tower Comedy Festival, which is a very big deal for your friend here, man. I work very hard in stand-up, and for them to invite me to be a headliner is a big deal. So that's a special uh, weekend for me. That's April 22nd and April 23rd at Cap City in Austin, Texas, the new Cap City. They've redone it, new ownership, brand new place. It's going to be lit. That thing will sell out any day now. We're already halfway sold out. So go get tickets right now. Uh, thickboy.com or FATKZ.com. That's the Moon Tower Comedy Festival in Austin, Texas. Also, that same week, I have a huge announcement that I will announce very soon here. So, uh, yeah, LA, you're up Wednesday. Chicago, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Uh, Thick Mutter is April 9th at 10.30 a.m. We have a 5K and a 15K to offer you guys. So if you don't want to go through the whole 15K, do the 5K, guarantee whatever physical shape you're in, you can finish both of them. If you go to toughmutter.com, sign up for the 10.30 a.m. Thick Mutter. If you use the promo code THICKBOY, you get 10% off, which actually is a lot of money off to run that race. And if you're looking, uh, if you order now, you can still get the Thick Mutter shirt just in time. It's literally just for this Thick Mutter event, April 9th. Um, go to thickboy.com. We just dropped new sh- uh, shirts and hoodies there as well. You guys have seen me wearing them. It's the dark blue, the black, and the the Kelly Green Thick Boy hoodie. But the Thick Mutter tee is available right now for you guys. Go to thickboy.com, uh, toughmutter.com, and uh, click on the 10.30 a.m. race April 9th in San Bernardino, California. And come run with the boys, man. The whole squad will be there, man. It's, gonna be, it's one of the my favorite things to do on this planet. So come on out. It's a grand old time. Chicago, see you this week. Thank you guys for watching. Shout out to John Anik, one of my favorite people in the business. And that's it, man. Stay safe. Be nice to each other. Have fun. Stay thick. Chicago, see you soon. I'm out.